All right. How many of you like to save the best for last? Yeah? Last cookie has to have a uh, chocolate chip in at the last bite. Yes? You got a salad and a piece of meat. <clears throat> you got to have a piece of meat for last, right? Not a piece of lettuce. How many of you save the best for last? All right. You got to love your Bible then, because Revelation 21, 22, saving the best for last. It is in future things, as good as it gets, Revelation 21, 22. In fact, um, you ever drive, maybe you work all day, you drive home, and you get out of your car, and you smell someone is barbecuing in the neighborhood, you're like, ah. But when you walk out of the service this morning, when you hit the courtyard, the plan is that you're going to go, somebody's grilling on campus, because they are. We're going to have some uh, smoked meat out in the courtyard with some freshly popped popcorn, some chocolate chip cookies, some free good coffee, not at the table. Uh, that's specialty coffee, free good coffee out in the courtyard, because these are the things of heaven. No, that's not why. You were like, really? Because when you smell, at least for me, when you smell like freshly baked cookies, what's that do? It makes you hungry for them. We had in the back Thursday night, should have been here, three ovens cooking chocolate chip cookies in the room as we talked. Talk about distracting. <laughs> Not because cookies are the stuff of heaven, but because Revelation 21 and 22 are to do this. Make you hungry for heaven. What these scriptures are intended to do is that by the time we are done, we're going to walk out and enjoy some scents and smells, but it's simply the reminder that what the scripture is doing is to help you realize this is not as good as it gets. There's something so much better that these chapters are intended to make us hungry for. So, uh, let's launch in chapter 21. First two verses say, then I saw a, say it, new heaven and a new earth. And the first, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, gone. Remember last week, burned up to the very element. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. So you've all been to weddings where after everybody's in place and the guy's standing up there, that the doors open or wherever the venue is, and the bride comes through dressed in her sweatpants. No? Maybe every once in a while somebody tries to do that, but usually the bride is wearing something like she has never worn before and will never wear again because of the significance of the day. All it's simply saying is when he sees the new Jerusalem, he's gone. Wow, that's not, that's not like anything I've ever seen before. So... Uh, the accommodations that we get to look forward to. 
a new heaven, what else? New earth, and finally a new Jerusalem. So you, maybe you've rented a place or looked forward to accommodations that you were going on vacation and for the last two days of work you were present but not productive because you couldn't stop thinking about where you were headed. You're hungry for it. You were like looking forward to it. We're going to get a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Now, I should have known this, and I think I intellectually knew it, but here was my kind of one of my light bulb moments in this study is almost everything that you have ever heard about heaven is actually the new Jerusalem. These chapters say very, very little about the new heaven and the new earth, though they are new and they will be a part of our experience. Everything that we're going to read about is actually about the new Jerusalem only. And heaven, new heaven, new earth is a lot bigger than the simply the new Jerusalem. So uh, here's what I mean. Join me, verse 9 through 16. And you may think, oh, this is what I imagined the new heaven and earth are going to be like. No, this is the new Jerusalem. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven, seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, come here, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb, which is, of course, the new Jerusalem we just saw. Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates and at the 12, at the gates, 12 angels and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. I've never seen one of those for sale at Lowe's. A gold measuring rod. Verse 16. The city is laid out as a square. Watch this. And its length. This is not the new heaven and the new earth. This is what? The new Jerusalem only. The capital, if you will. The city is laid out as a square. Check out the size of this city. <laughs> its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. So, pause. The New Jerusalem, 1,500 miles in length and width. I, it cracks me up that we're so proud in Jacksonville because we're the largest landmass city. <laughs> you realize this city, from Canada to Mexico, from the Appalachian Mountains to the California border, a city. That's amazing. 
You're going to look that amazed. That's amazing. That's a massive city. But do you notice? And height. Okay, that's, now that's weird. A city as high as it is wide and long. 1,500 miles high? Can you put that into perspective? Here's perspective. You ever sit on your back porch in your backyard, you look up and you see a massive jet flying across the sky and it looks just very, very small. And that's about seven miles, right? So here we have a city. Uh, let me make sure I tell you the right number because you'll do the math and then send me an email. Uh, <clears throat> the ground level, if you can think of that from Canada to Mexico, California, Appa Appalachian Mountains, California, nearly 2 million square miles. That's the ground level. Now, if you think, well, how many, if there are levels, if you consider a level seven miles high, <laughs> not 10 feet like we figure now, 10, 12 feet, seven miles high, as high as a plane would fly now, you'd have over 200 levels of, what was it? 200, I mean, 2 million square miles. Two, over 200 levels of 2 million square miles. That's the new heaven in the north. No, that's the city. That's the capital of the new heaven and the new earth. That's, that, is, that is amazing. You go, what's the point of having such a high city? New bodies. New powers, new glory. So it's not like, well, that's great, but I can't get up there. It would seem that we'll be able to go up. What does it say? We'll be like angels, so there will be the capacity to, to go up. In the same way that I can go forward or backwards, I can go upward or downward. And, and that's just the, the city. Amazing. Uh, the passage continues to get up verse 17. And he measured its wall 72 yards. So um, downtown where, the Ruth, where Ruth Chris is on the river, the height of that building, that's the height of the wall. According to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements, if you think uh, you're dealing with something indifferently. Verse 18, the material of the wall was jasper and the city, the city, what we just described, pure gold, like clear glass. Verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each one of the gates a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. 
So there's not a need for a building called the temple like there is in the city of Jerusalem. Now the new Jerusalem doesn't need a building because it has the person, God himself, in it. Verse 23, and the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. So this massive city, no electricity, no switches because you always have light and the light is God himself. There'll be no night or sun. The presence of God will light it all, always. See, it's, it, again, maybe, maybe it's so much you can't imagine it, but it gives you just enough to go, wow, this is blow your mind accommodations. Always light, no night. And then, of course, just because it's so precious to us now, go back to verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. <laughs> so there probably won't be any pearl necklaces needed. Imagine that around your neck. <laughs> Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. You know how little nuggets of gold changed this entire country and our history? How people went crazy and lost their lives and ruined their families and how they still do it for gold? The greatest treasures of the old earth, and by that I mean what? The current earth. The greatest treasure of this current earth, asphalt in the new. Now again, you may think, I, I just don't get that. It's part of, part of what we have to look forward to. See, I'm trying to get you to smell a chocolate chip cookie called heaven. Now, I'm not trying to. The scripture is to take everything that would, people would just live for and long for and even die for and go, no, that's going to be the mundane is a beat road in heaven. The riches, the riches of this earth just commonplace. See, it, it ought to cause you to go, what in the world am I living for? In this little dot called time, when I have an eternal accommodation waiting for me that is beyond comprehension. So move from accommodations to activity, the activity of heaven. Go back now to the beginning of chapter 21. We'll pick up where we skipped. We read verses one and two, pick it up verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. 
There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things, that's our experiences on this earth now, all passed away. So when we think of the activity of heaven, oftentimes, at least where my mind goes first, it's where scripture goes first, is what won't be there. What won't be there is mourning or crying or pain or death. I don't know what your last year, 2022, held. But probably for almost all of us, there was some experience in 2022 of mourning, crying, pain, or death. Just think back. How many of you would go, yeah, that was part of my 2022 experience. I had something to mourn about. I actually shed some tears. How many? Be no hands in eternity. And it won't be just for, wow, it was a great year. Some of you like, didn't put your hand up. You're like, hey, no, that wasn't true for me. Nothing, nothing for me to cry about or mourn about. Some of you had things you weren't sure you were going to be able to endure. All that stuff, not just gone forever gone. What's that do to you? Does it make you look forward to it? You see, I don't know what to say to this other than if, if, I, if we don't look forward to that, then we not, have not experienced much pain or crying or death in this life because the more you've experienced that, the more hungry you are for it. It's a little bit like if I ate a big lunch, it, do, it really doesn't matter how good Jackie made dinner because I'm like, eh, I'm full. But to the degree that you've experienced loss, man, your heart has to cry out. Oh, so good when there'll never be fear of loss or pain or sorrow or death again that's that's not an activity of heaven <laughs> it's the absence the unavoidable in this life is impossible in the next what you cannot get away from will be completely absent in the next You ought to dance about that. If you can dance, you should dance about that. That is fantastic. Go to the end of chapter 21, pick up verse 23, and we'll see some more. Look as I read, you follow along. What will be some of the activities? And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is on the lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will 
bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Well, why do you close gates? Why do we even have gates that close? Protection, right? You have gates so there's access and then you close them. Generally, you close them at night. Maybe you keep your doors locked all the time, but many people, if they don't keep their doors locked during the day, they, before you go to bed, hey, have you, have you locked up? Why? Because people come at night to try and steal your stuff. There will be no night, and there will be no need to close the gates or lock the doors. That's awesome. Have you never gotten out of bed going, oh, I forgot to lock up? You never, that never happens to you? You people live perfect lives or something. Because <laughs> you don't look very hungry or hopeful about heaven. I look forward to never going, oh, Jackie going, well, you get up because you're the man. You go lock the doors. We forgot. Come on. Never again. Because... Nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. I don't have to worry about the guy down the street. There's a suspicious car in the neighborhood. There are no suspicious cars in the neighborhood. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, well, on either side of the river, was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will, we'll come back to this, there will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bond servants will serve him. Uh, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. No mourning, crying, pain, or death. There will be eating. <laughs> why, have, why have a tree of life? Actually, this time, the tree of life is for, it is for eating. And there's a river. Because Jesus himself is living water. The water of life flowing through the city. There'll be movement. Yes, there'll be movement. The kings, it says, uh, will reign and the nations will bring into the city. There's gates because there will be movement in the city and there will be movement out of the city. Because remember, all we're talking about right now is the, is the new Jerusalem. We're, we're completely, uh, are almost completely ignorant to what's happening or what it looks like outside of the New Jerusalem. But there's life outside of the New Jerusalem because the kings are bringing into the New Jerusalem. And there will be serving. 
They'll be serving. Like, what do you mean, serving? Like, work? There's going to be work in heaven? Yes, there is. And you won't hate it. Really, you won't. Here's, here's the first thing. And some of you aren't going to like this. And others of you are going to go, wow, seriously? Never realized this. In all of chapter 21 and 22, something is never said that almost everybody in this room and over at North thinks about when, when you have been told about heaven, what have you been told you're going to do in heaven? You're going to sing. What verse is that in tw chapter 21? Not there. What verse is that in chapter 22? It's not there. What? Now, am I saying there's not singing in heaven? I didn't say that. I am saying that all the singing that we have talked about that is going to be the never-ending concert, do you know when that is? That was the old heaven. That's the one that got burned up. So some of you are like, oh, I was really looking forward to the ever-never-ending concert. And some of you are like, praise God. I thought I was going to sing for all eternity. God. I didn't say there's not seen in heaven. What I said is the primary activity of heaven that at least I always grew up with doesn't even say that in the Bible for the new heaven and the new earth. What it says is a different S word. <laughs> Serve. Now you may think, I, I, I'd rather sing. <laughs> I don't want to work. I've been spending my whole life to get out of work, to get to retirement. You mean in heaven? It's going to be never-ending work? Oh, we, it's, we, if we think that way at all, it's because we don't get it. There will no longer be any curse. So let's go back. When God created Adam and Eve and he placed them on this current earth, he said to them, rule and have dominion cultivate and take care of this planet that I've given to you. Before they sinned. And then when they went their own way and said, and we want to be like God, we think he's holding out on us. And they ate of that which they were not intended to eat. Then the curse came. And what was the curse? The curse wasn't work. What was the curse? The curse was your work is going to be hard and toil and frustrating. If it was written today, it would be like this. The curse is you're always going to have to make another trip to Lowe's to get what you forgot the first time. That's the curse. Have you never done that? You started a project. This is, baby, this one's going to be quick. That was before the curse. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be simple. It's going to be hard. Uh, replacing a plumbing under the sink. And I was so frustrated. My third trip to Lowe's. And I got home. 
And I, was, I needed motivation, so I called the plumber and I said, how much would you charge me to do this? He said, $500. I said, thank you, that's all I needed to hear right there. <laughs> motivation. None of that about work. Because have you ever, now, this is, this is the experience we get every once in a while. Have you ever worked and you sat down and man, and went, that was so satisfying. It was productive. That was fulfilling. That's what it'll be. In fact, this is how our current world, I think, is going to be so turned upside down. I think in the new heaven and the new earth, it'll be like, let me work more. Let me work more. Can I serve more? I'd love to do more because it will be fulfilling. Don't, don't just let me take care of this section. Give me a bigger section. Not because... Oh, man, more responsibility. Yes, more pay, but I lay awake at night. I wake up at every 3 o'clock every morning. My mind's running. And I got all this weight and responsibility. Gone. Not the responsibility. The weight. The sleeplessness. The stress. Joy will be in serving. You'll want to. Because it will be restored to what God intended work to be. See, I, I look forward to that. I can smell that chocolate chip cookie. I can go, man, projects, projects that, <laughs> I was going to say, projects that don't take forever, but who cares? I mean, who cares if it takes a long time? It won't be frustrating. I won't be angry. I won't take it out on my wife because I can't figure it out. Remember, remember the first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned? They, they, they clothed themselves, yeah. They clothe themselves. Why? Because it's, it's scripture says, because of shame. Realize in heaven there will be no shame. Shame so marks our relationships now, our life now. Not only our relational life, our outer life, but shame marks our inner life. Some of you feel less shame now than you used to, and you're grateful for the work of the cross of Jesus that has set you free, but you still have to battle with that. You with me? <laughs> no shame. No brokenness in relationship. Ever. Forever. The joy will be overwhelming. Our serving, it's going to be our highest privilege. And our deepest satisfaction.
One more thing. Did you notice what verse 24 of chapter 21 says? Something about the nations. And then, are you looking there? And who will bring their glory into the new Jerusalem? What's it say? Who? Kings. There's going to be kings in the new heaven and the new earth? That's what it says. Is everybody going to be a king? <laughs> it's like everybody gets to be a trophy now, and in heaven, everybody gets to be a king. <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, I don't think so. If everybody's a king, what's the point of being a... If every day's Christmas, then Christmas isn't that special anymore. Not everybody's a king. There's going to be kings. Uh-huh. And you won't care. You won't be like, I wanted to be a king. Why do they get to be a king? And the kings of heaven will never abuse their power or lord it over the way Jesus talks about, lord it over people. I think there will be kings. I think there's a, a, a nod here to the reality that Faithfulness in this life to the Lord, the scripture says, will be rewarded. And the reward, and this is what's weird about this whole work thing. This is why I'm staying here. This whole work thing is that faithfulness now will be greater serving opportunities. Maybe, maybe the most faithful now will be kings then. And it's not a hierarchy in the way that we think of hierarchy and therefore jealousness and abuse of power. It'll be greater privilege to serve the king of kings. Greater opportunity. So what? So what? Revelation 21, 22. What's the point? Go to the end. Here's the point. Chapter 22, verse 20. That's what he ends with. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. What do we say? Come, Lord Jesus. You see, I think the so what to this. It, if we've captured uh, how good, how awesome, how mind-blowing, how satisfying and fulfilling our forever future will be, if we've captured it, then the so what is... <laughs> Come quickly, Jesus. No matter how good you have it now, come quickly, Jesus. I hope you're getting that. And we have it hard now, what do we say? Come quickly, Jesus. When we have it decent now, what do we say? 
Come quickly, Jesus. No matter how good we have it, what do we say? Come quickly, Jesus. For, for some of us, this is even uh, a greater scent, something that's making us even more hungry. So here's how I want us to respond, and we're, we're going to do this for a few moments. So I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to sing at some point, but not yet. <laughs> I hope this... Have you ever heard people say this? Come quickly, Jesus. I've heard people say it. And I've said it. But only really because I heard other people say it. And I knew it was the right thing. But this, this study for me made a difference. This study made it for me for the first time to go, oh, oh. <laughs> come quickly, Jesus. Meaning, I'm looking forward to this. So, more than just repeating words. Part of what we do sometimes is we repeat truths. But more than just repeating words, I'm going to read a couple scenarios and invite you. When that's true for your heart and now with your voice, for us to say, come quickly, Jesus. When you are experiencing pain, sickness, cancer, or loss, what do we say? Come quickly, Jesus. When you shed tears for the condition of this world, when you weep about poverty and injustice, when you feel the brokenness for the abandoned and the lonely, what do we say? Come quickly, Jesus. When your job is hard and frustrating and people are unreasonable, what do we say? <laughs> Come quickly, Jesus. When you can't wait to see Jesus, to be with him face to face, when you can't wait to serve him in fullest satisfaction, what do we say? Finally, this has given you just a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a scent of this is going to be so good. What do we say? Come quickly, Jesus. You get it? It's more than the right thing to say. It's what our hearts say. When we see this old current earth in all its conditions rightly and we see the the new coming rightly, we go, come quickly, Jesus. There's one other, so what though? The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is 
thirsty, do what? Come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. See, the other so what here is this. Can I have your eyes for a moment? If you have sought to find life and satisfaction and fulfillment in this life, in your job, in what you could accumulate, you have found yourself thirsty. Because it was never meant to satisfy. See, this life is meant to make you thirsty so that you would do what? Come and drink. Come the th- those who are thirsty and drink what? Freely. Freely. Last week, a dear lady came to me after the service and I said, what do you need from the Lord? And she said, I need God in my life. We all do. We all do. So if you're thirsty, you're not going to find it. But in Jesus. And he says, come, drink freely. If you're thirsty, consider the, the joy and the offer of this song. And if you have been one who has drunk freely of the Lord Jesus, sing it with great joy. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry.
good, friends. Hey, I want to encourage you if you're if you are thirsty, um, if you're unsure um, that you have uh, heaven to look forward to, uh, don't take. Uh, don't miss the opportunity. We have men and women who are there to pray with you to answer any questions you might have between the auditoriums. I want to encourage you to do that. And as we as we go, um, we're going to play a song that's fun that reminds us of heaven. You guys are dismissed, and I hope you go and just get a foretaste, a sense, open your senses to what the Lord may have for us one day. He's good, um, and I'm really glad that you're here. So we'll see you next time. All right.